0: Yeah. Hello and welcome back to the Couch Team Podcast. My name is Ryan Parker, and I'm joined, as always, by Matt, draft expert Chamberlain. How's it going, Matt? Well, this is like my Christmas in July, and I don't even really celebrate Christmas in December, so I'm doing great. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best time of year. We're finally in the off season. We're yet draft right around the corner. It's gonna be a it's pedal to the metal now, and then free agency like a week after that, it's just, it's, it's on us now, Matt. Can you imagine if like you were like the Bucks GM of like playoffs, finals, championship parade. Oh yeah. With the draft is now in like three days and then the free agency starts done next week. Yeah, that would Too be wild. wild. It would, uh, I, I mean, you'd have to be doing all your work, uh, before the games and just hope that things worked out because, Oh boy, things were going to be rough for the Bucks if things didn't work out. And luckily, they won the championship. I don't know if luckily is the right word there, but they won the championship. Um, they would not be on the list of news items that we're going to get to about the head coaching. <laughs> yeah, one of the gajillion that happened this offseason is just incredible. Um, but we'll get to that here in a little bit. Um, if you haven't already, follow us on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, if you search for Couching Podcast, you'll find us. In, if you'd give us a follow, we'd greatly appreciate that. Uh, also give us a rating or review on the podcast platform of your choice. And that helps us a ton as well. Quick recap of episode 116. If you missed it, we talked about the finals, wrapped that up. We gave our last one, two, three Cancun of this uh, uh, postseason. Goodbye to the Suns, And we're left with the bucks as the last team standing. Um, matt and for the first time in like eight weeks it feels like we have some news items we're actually going to talk some nba news well the playoffs are special playoffs only come around a certain time of the year yeah changes and whatnot we We like talking basketball when it's playoff time it's fun talking about all this other stuff but when it's playoff time it's uh it's it's basketball time gotta go lebron zero dark 30 you know Pretty much, except you gotta you gotta follow some. You still gotta get some some tweets in there because there were some legendary tweets in the playoffs. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so we're gonna if you missed all the head coaching changes, we're gonna list them out here. Run through them really quick, and then <clears throat> uh, we may have a Celtics one to talk about here in a second. So, uh, the Eastern Conference Finals coach that lost, Nate McMillan, signs on permanently with Atlanta. Celtics bring in Ime Udoka. How did I do, Matt? That was really good. Oh, nice. All right, we'll be. We'll come back to that here in a second. Uh, Jason Kidd returns to Dallas. Indiana brings back Rick Carlisle. Pelicans hire Willie Green. Orlando embraces a youth movement with Jamal Mosley. Chauncey Billups um, is brought into Portland to mend their mess, and might have a mess. That uh, is unmendable. <clears throat> we'll talk about that on another podcast. Uh, and Washington keeps it um, in the family with Wes Unseld Jr. Matt, there was a lot of coaching changes there. How do you feel about the Celtics hire? I, I don't know if we ever talked about this, really. Not too much. So, Imei I mean, former Spurs assistant most recently with Brooklyn, right? So, In theory, I like it. I like Mm -hmm. it a lot because he's been around winning programs and teams. Gets the most out of their group. My worry here is that, and maybe worry is the wrong word, I don't know what style he's bringing in. Is he bringing in San Antonio style? Mm. Is he bringing in 2021 Brooklyn Nets style? Those are two very different things, Ryan. Right, right. And in theory... I personally prefer the Spurs style, but Mm -hmm. you still have have stars like within that. Like Tim Duncan, a Hall of Fame big man. Because even though like Brad Stevens is a great coach, somehow we always kept falling back into like ISO ball with Tato and Brown and stuff. And, you know, we about saw how that went. We were not a very good passing team. We -hmm. were not a very good cut and, you know, extra pass type of team. So in theory, I would like us to bring more at San Antonio heavy ball movement style of offense. I don't know if Udoka will do that or not because he's just been at very different types of locations stylistically. So I'm curious what his style will be. If it's ultimately, if the point is just milk the most out of Jason Tatum, I'm relatively on board for that. Mm -hmm. But uh, there's a lot up in the air with this hire still to me. Yeah, um, it's going to be interesting. to watch. I, I like that point you made about the San Antonio because I think the we talked about it several times on this podcast throughout the season, how bad the Celtics were at just getting assists. Um, and that's, that's kind of crazy. It feels like a team historically that has moved the ball very well um, and they just weren't able to. And this, it's a tricky tricky thing for Brad Stevens to walk into now that he's the GM vice president of basketball operations whatever his title is um and he's hired his first coach and now he gets to experience an offseason a draft and his first trade very quickly with the kimball Walker Al Horford deal yes yes but that doesn't fix the problems that the offense had it does help a little bit cuz Horford is a pretty good passing big man But you're absolutely right. It still doesn't like give that other creator outside of Tatum or Brown. He's not Nikola Jokic passing the ball, (laughs) which is like obviously absurd like level. But like you have to be approaching that level to be an effective like for what we need in Boston, Mm. you know. And out Horford again, you can do stuff with him. Some DHO stuff, and yeah, he can see some passes, but you know, okay, it's like a marginal upgrade in terms of passing over Kimball Walker, I guess, mm. but like, it's not enough to fix the problem. Yeah, exactly, and the, and that's going to be the thing that really sets up um, Udoka with the best success in this next season is if Brad Stevens is able to give him the correct players put on the floor. Yeah. And it's I think Brad will, like, work well with him because he's been on the coaching side of this. i like, yeah. hey, what what do you need? Yeah. You know, and therefore, what should I go look to try and get? If Udoka's like, I want a point guard. Like, does Brad be like, okay, let me see. Can I go buy low on Ricky Rubio? Mm-hmm. You know, like, I'm just throwing a name out there. Yeah. Or if Udoka's like, I'm cool with smart being my point go get me another wing forward type. So that way Tatum doesn't have to play the four or something. Okay. Then Brad can go look for that. I think as long as they work well together, like this is what I'm looking to do on the court, Brad can at least have a direction of no, no go look. And then it's just, can we actually afford and bring in someone? It's a good point. It's a good point. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see what the Celtics can do. In this offseason with the new new kind of regime, there. Um, haven't I mean, Danny Inge has been there for so long. It's going to be fascinating. Yeah, for sure. Last piece of news here, and then we'll move on to uh, draft preview. Will Barton, Norm Powell turn down player options, um, but are hopeful to re sign. I guess this is it's kind of an interesting point. Will Barton more so than Norm Powell, I feel like. If Nor- if you're Norm Powell, you kinda wait, see what happens with this Damian Lillard situation before you re-sign. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> I mean, he was only making just under twelve million a year anyway. So like he knew he was worth more than that straight up. Yeah. But yeah, he should not on August, I think again, I think it's August 2nd for agency starts at twelve oh one. He should not be running to Neil O'Shea's office to sign a new contract. He yes. Definitely, definitely try and wait it out and see. What's happening? Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see if a team like overbids for him too, like if Dallas historically has done that, Mm
1: -hmm. and it
0: kind of fits. Like I think Norm Powell would fit really well next to Luca, so it'd be kind of interesting to see if another team swoops in and and um, snatches him away from Portland. Yeah, I I wouldn't be shocked, especially I don't know what Norm Powell's looking for in terms of like, is he looking for longevity? Or is he looking for, you know, a shorter balloon payment? Because, like, for example, Nick's super strikeout, just give him a one for 20. Yeah. And maybe he takes it, you know, (laughs) for example. Right. Maybe they miss out on the Reggie Bullock sweepstakes. (laughs) (laughs) Killing me with these. I uh, I almost ended bat there. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was great. It's funny, but Reggie Bullock's actually kind of gonna get paid. So, yeah, apparently by five different. Remember two off seasons ago where like he signed with the Knicks and then all of a sudden he like took a lesser deal because he was hurt. Yeah, he had like a foot injury or something like that. I don't remember what it was, but yeah, we both thought that was stupid at the time. Like you're worth what you are. Like it doesn't matter. Like, yeah, whatever injury you have, like, you're gonna end up playing, and he's a good player. Yeah, it's like it. I mean, I guess it all kind of works out in the end, but every now and again, like, there's these weird con. Like, we made fun of the Pat Connington thing with Milwaukee last offseason. He signed mm-hmm. like a three for 12, and then the league office is like, that's not a legal deal for him. And so they had assigned <laughs> him to like a two for 16. <laughs> but I mean, he Pat- played relatively well in the playoffs. So, yeah, Pat Conchon earned that eight eight million dollars this year just so uh, yeah <laughs> so anyways let's get into the draft preview matt i'm, I'm excited for this this podcast yeah. i am not super useful for so I, it's going to be a lot of you driving here but i am I'm, I'm just fascinated to see what you have on these players yeah and so the focus of today is perimeter um based players so what i call guards and wings so players that rotate between like the one, two, three positions. Um just because there's like next to no time between the finals and the draft this year. Um, I mean, there it's kind of like this every year, but like I felt it to the extreme this year. Um yeah, last year we had like two months or something like that, anyway. Yeah. yeah. So usually I can get in like a pod for like guards and then wings and then forwards and then bigs. Do not have that luxury. This year. Um, so that's why we're kind of combining guards and wings since they are similar position-wise anyway. Um, and then we'll do one more before the draft. of The forwards, guys who I consider 3-4 combos, and then bigs, who I consider 4-5 combos.
1: Mm.
0: So um, that's kind of the idea here. Um, and so we'll throw out names to know and then kind of super quick breakdowns of them um, in case you have been for whatever reason, focusing on the basketball being played. Um, <laughs> you know, well, some, some teams Ryan have been uh, preparing for the draft for about three months now. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Like there's whole teams behind like the GM who ends up making the pick, but like, you know, obviously like the scouting departments are huge for these teams. And yeah. they don't even, I don't even know if they know playoffs are going on or whatever's going on behind, you know, behind what's actually happening in the organization. And I say three months, I mean like the sole focus of like a team, like Orlando. They're yes. The focus for them. They've been on the draft for year, like all year. Like Some some would say they've been in on it for a decade, but. <laughs> <laughs> it's never stopped. Yeah. <laughs> um, not wrong. <laughs> Definitely not wrong. Um, so we'll start at the top. Um, start with the best of the best. And then kind of work our way through some other names I think are worth noting. Or maybe just some names that are seeming to be getting a lot of hype. Um, good or bad. So um, we'll just kick it off, like I said, at the top top three. So, of course, we have Cade Cunningham out mm. of Oklahoma State uh, that we were blessed to to have this year just a Um, fun player Jalen Green who did his year with the G League Ignite and Jalen Suggs the Gonzaga guard so that's the top three most people have that as those three guys within their top four overall of the draft for me it is actually those three in that order for one two and three on my Mm. personal board so it truly is the top three guys, I think, in the draft. And everyone knows the name of Evan Mobley, the other guy considered in the top four. He's a big out of USC. We'll talk about him next time. But again, I highly value guys who have the ball in their hand most of the game. So that's ultimately that's where basketball is won and lost. So guards win games, right? Yep. Some, some. Guys who had the basketball in their hands a lot are 6'11", 240 pounds, and nicknamed the Greek Freak. But most of the time, um, they are players more like these three guys. So mm. Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs. Cade Cunningham, I hope everyone's got to watch at some point this year. It's like a 6'8 point forward. What's crazy? About shoots Cade? the ball, Ben Simmons? Yeah. A legit 40% three point shooter this year at OSU on like
1: fairly like legitimate volume
0: since, yeah, yeah, since no one else on the team took threes, um, or at least not above a uh, below average clip. Um, so that was neat. Um, Kate Cunningham, I don't think a lot of people realize, was not like a born and bred point guard, so mm. he didn't really start playing point till like his last couple years of high school, just because it's like why are we not just letting this dude have the ball all the time? Um, so I actually think he's a terrific passer. Like I really do. Um, I think at OSU, he didn't always get to show it because who is he passing to? And yeah. Unfortunately with a lot of these guys, um, part of the conversation will be like the college situation was unfortunately just not conducive to their development um, or being able to display maybe is the better phrase, what they can do. But like, hey, you saw the moment for sure. And his assist, I feel like he could have had three or four more per game if he played for just about anyone else. Um, <laughs> he averaged, again, 20.1 points per game, 6.2 rebounds, 3.5 assists. And everyone was kind of down. Like everyone, including me, thought he'd average closer to six assists a game. But again, that requires someone else making the basket so i'm gonna i'm giving him a little pass he mm. had a couple too many turnovers um but again as he's kind not, of forcing the issue quite a bit yeah he definitely had to do way too much and that happens so mm. i'm not overly concerned by that to be honest um some people definitely knock his athleticism a little bit he's not like a super high run and jump athlete i get it I don't think he's a bad athlete, though. I don't know. Like, I don't feel like I ever watched him on the basketball court and be like, oh, you're slow. Yeah, he, he kind of does his own pace. Like, I I don't want to – I think that's the perfect term for it, though. Yeah. It, I don't want to bring in, like, a comparison because, like, I don't know. I, he just reminds me of SGA. It's like when you watch SGA, it, it's not like he's fast, but he just plays at his own pace – and he just has such great control. And I think from what I've watched of Cade is he's that. He has his he has very good control. Yes, he knows where he's going, he knows what he's doing. Um, I I think that's a pretty decent like not that cuz I mean Shay is a different build. Yeah. Right. Um, but it's it's not far off in terms of like stylistically like what they're trying to do. Um, mm-hmm. Cade's obviously a little stronger and we saw him you know it's like you know what fine you're gonna throw a 6-3 guard on me to try and get like under my handle fine I'm just gonna take you in the post Mm. and we saw him really kill guards in the post so I like that Cade has shown inside outside ability um, this year at Oklahoma State Jalen Green we only got to see so many games of him because the G League Ignite had that weird short 15-ish game schedule Mm. he's probably just the best like true run and jump bouncy athlete in the draft maybe keon johnson out of tennessee who we will talk to you later but Jalen green i mean if you just watched him for like 30 seconds and you didn't know the name you thought it was zach levine like that's that's what it is here so the thing with Jalen green is and i've heard this from a couple different people that i really trust on like the draft like he could lead the league in or, like, be a 25 point per game score in, like, thirty years. But Holy. He's he's going to get up a lot of shots. He's going to get out and transition a thousand times. Like, and, and you're not blocking it ever. Like, he's mm-hmm. going to yam it every time. He's not going to do a layup. So, um, <laughs> and, which is cool. Like, I super respect it. Um, yeah. I mean, so with the, the G League, honestly, you watched the first three games you would not be impressed. Like, mm-hmm. it was clear, like, the physicality and, like, the fact that everyone else knew what they were doing out there really threw him off. And, like <laughs> someone, someone could play defense against him and kind of get at him. And he, like, didn't know what to do. He is skinny. So that's one of the knocks on him. He's not, like, skinny to the point of concern, but he is, like, he looks like he's 19 years old and has never really been in a weight room, you know? Mm. So... But that can change in the NBA. We've seen it. We've seen it with a ton of guys, just as long as he cares to do it. And I think he does. It'll get there. But if you watched him progress throughout that G League quote-unquote season, you, by the end, you're like, okay, he was kind of the go-to guard that they had. Of all those young guys, he was the guy that most stood out by the end um, in terms of playmaking, less so for others, more so for himself kind of like in that same Zach Levine type of mold. But I think from what I heard from like hit the older veterans on that team, because that's what they tried to do was put veterans on that squad. They're like, he was seeing things and doing things by the end that he had no idea how to do it when he got there. Mm. So if you think it's, if you can just give him legitimately good coaching and like, just like at least league average ish, Teammates, he'll succeed. I am a little worried if he goes to the wrong situation. And they've said shoot twenty five times a game. He's going to develop bad habits. Yeah, but there's a lot of talent and a lot of athleticism there that I I would be willing to bet on him really early on in the draft, like two, three. The problem is I don't think Houston and Cleveland are good situations, <laughs> but you know um, what you're in- saying. Cleveland telling Colin Sexton to shoot whenever and whenever hasn't yeah come back and bit them in the butt. In theory, like if you told me they're moving off Sexton, just not to get too far into this, but like Garland and Green as your backcourt moving forward, I would That'd really enjoy that. Yeah, but that's the thing with Jalen Green. I I. I think he'll get big enough to where he can play some three, but that's going to take past his rookie contract, I think. So mm. you're a little locked in him being like kind of like you're two. He is a two at this point, unless you're going super small. Um, And then Jalen Suggs. So this is like, I swear he's everyone's favorite player, but like favorite guy, maybe. Yeah. I mean, but, he hit that shot in the tournament. How could you not yeah, love that moment? You know, the running up on the table. Yeah. But it, I mean, don't be me wrong. It was wild. That like, was like a, was, a moment in college basketball history. Yes. Um. So, all in on Jalen Suggs. Like, I love Jalen Suggs. I know some people even have him at two on their board. I have mm-hmm. him at three, like I mentioned. He's the dude. It's to any of those top teams, Detroit. I don't think Detroit should take him at one, but if Detroit traded back or Houston at two or Cleveland at three, I feel like if you bring in Jalen Suggs, it's going to feel like your team is a winner. Even if they're not good enough, Jalen Suggs is going to make you feel like a winning um, team. He's just that type of dude hmm. on top of all the actual really good basketball skills he has. So another thing, so he grew up in Minnesota. That's, you know, that's a year, your stomping grounds. Uh, yeah. He played with Chet Holmgren, the new up-and-coming. Oh, team. yeah. Played a year together. Um, I, similar to Cade, Jalen Suggs was not a point guard. Mm-hmm. Like, Jalen Suggs is like 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, um, may not always look it, but he is. He was a scorer. He was putting up 30, 35 points a game. Like, AAU High School. Like, that's what he did. It wasn't until much later, like his last year, that that they're like, hey, let's just make you the quote-unquote point. And then, obviously, at Gonzaga, he pretty much just ran point. And then he got the whole quarterback thing. (laughs) Yeah. He can see the floor. And, like, I get it, you know, sure. But, like, he really hasn't played point guard all that much. And Mm -hmm. to look like he was doing what he was doing naturally without a lot of reps at point, I think is also, like, pretty special. Mm -hmm. Um, I think he's a good shooter. It's not awesome percentages to be honest for him um he shot 50 from the floor 34 from three 76 from the line i know i guess you wish that 34 from three was a little higher like 36 sure. 38 but like it's not bad right. you know so and then like you mentioned i think he's like re- clutch He's know, been in he, moments, right? He already feels like <laughs> if it's a big situation, he's going he's not gonna be scared of it. Yeah. Like you're just like, I'm willing to go to battle with that dude. Mm. Probably even more so than like Jalen Green, just like what it looks like, like the emotion he's showing. Um I I think he's one of those quote unquote culture changers that a coach is gonna absolutely love to have. I don't know if any of the teams or coaches in that top three deserve that. <laughs> I don't know. I feel bad for Steven Silas still, but um, I, I'm I'm big on Jalen Suggs. I really am. Mm. So those three guys. I know we've t- kind of threw some names around while you were talking about them. Who do they remind you of you you of uh, individually? So I'll work backwards. So I'll start with Suggs. Okay. So I know, so Suggs again, actually a really good athlete. I don't think he's a like a super great Jalen Green athlete, but he's a really, really good athlete. And I don't mean for this name to stun you because this guy's athleticism is off the charts. But like, he feels kind of Westbrooky.
1: Mm, like
0: interesting, and he's the face of your team for mm. the next ten years, and he's yeah. gonna be loyal as hell. And he's going to be like your guy, and you're like, I'm going to war with that dude every single night. And mm. he, I, I think he's a better shooter than Westbrook, probably. Yeah. Has been, straight. Really? And hey, he's not like the absolute hammer at home dunker that Westbrook is, but he's like ninety percent of that. Mm. So I, that's kind of like I said. I made the Russell Westbrook. Comp for John Morant a couple years ago because he did try and dunk on everybody. Yeah. You know, it's a similar-ish thing of like he's your guy. But Jalen Suggs has a body type that's actually like Russell Westbrook.
1: Mm, Maybe not quite yep. the
0: John Morant Russell Westbrook athleticism, but he is a really, really great athlete too. So that's kind of what I see for Jalen Suggs. Interesting. Be okay. Better, better shooter there. Jalen Green, we did throw out the Zach Levine name. Um, I mean, you can throw other, like, it's the scoring too. Yeah. Who feels like he can do a little more, um, whether that's Brad Beal or, you know, uh, other guys like that. Um, but Brad Beal is not the athlete that Jalen Green is. It almost sounds like D Wade almost like, Oh, not, maybe not as refined as Dwayne coming into the NBA. If you told me, though, he got, like, the mid-range moves that Dwayne had, I wouldn't be shocked in, like, three years. That's just the thing. I think everyone goes to Levine just because the bounce is ridiculous. But, like, the early problem with Zach Levine was, like, he relied, like, I'm just bouncier than you. So it doesn't matter what I do and don't have. And it's only been the last couple of years that Zach Levine seems to have, like, put the bag together, you know? and. I feel like Jalen Green has a little more skill development than like Zach Levine did when he came into the league. Mm. So I don't know, a a more polished Zach Levine, is that a thing? Or I don't know what player that exactly is, but like that's the archetype for him, which is still really, really good. Maybe you're worried that like he could just be a good stats, bad team. Guy, if those sure. things don't to exist, but like whatever people think of that, maybe that is Jalen Green.
1: Mm-hmm. But if
0: you think he can actually take that step above that, polish wise and development wise, then I think there's a real case for him to be too. Cade's the one that gets everyone all tripping over themselves, you know? Yeah. Like, is he Luca? Uh, I don't know man like, <laughs> that's that's so ridiculous standard now it's yeah like a top five mvp candidate in his third year you know so it's like i don't want to put that on grant hill's been throwing around a lot for luca to be honest could you tell me he's like not the exact same, like a elite passer version of chris middleton like, not to be, like, too finals biased here with what we just saw, but, like, gets to whatever shot he wants. But imagine if Chris Middleton, like, we talked about, like, him running pick and roll with Giannis.
1: And yeah. And it's, like,
0: then doing everything right. Can you imagine if Chris Middleton could just do that all the time and have super low or, super <laughs> high level passing reads? And that's Kate. Mm-hmm. I don't
1: know.
0: That's the thing with Kate is, like, how many six eight guards can pass like him? Not many to be honest. He's not LeBron. He's not that level of athlete. Um, Luca, he's not an athlete either. I think he's a better athlete than Luca. Mm. But, you know, it's it's something in that mold um, of like tough shot maker, good catch and shoot three-point shooter, can make a lot of right passes, and is actually a pretty good defender. Yeah, he he, he put the clamps on some dudes. Yeah. Um, kind of later in that season for osu yeah that's i mean <clears throat> he definitely has that step back three like that that kind of shocked yeah. you and i at osu as he was willing to take that so frequently because that was one of the concerns coming him coming into oklahoma state with was that shot and it fell like you said it, it was a 40 percent clip so and like so it wasn't a bad-looking shot. It was just like, is it going to go in at a college level? Yeah. And it definitely did. And what's crazy is, like, it wasn't just, like, a... He's just standing there and then quickly rose up to, like, a step-back three. He would do it off of, like, a between the legs dribble. Yeah. Like, it's going, like, right to left between the legs. And he's using that into a step-back. Like, as yeah. he's stepping back and taking the three. And it was like, who does that? You know? So, whatever... Well built six eight point forward you can think of that can actually shoot. That's K. him Not a lot of those guys in the league, Ryan. So that's why he's number one overall. That's pick, why he's right? the number one overall pick. Yeah, that's what. I'm, I don't know. I think people have got to the point though with K. Two like they're they're getting way too nitpicky. They're like his handle gets a little high sometimes. like okay i don't hear you criticizing jalen sugg's handle so like and it's it's not any worse than jalen sugg's handle for example you know it's just can you you imagine Cade cunningham and jalen sugg's switch spots like sugg's would have had a very good year at osu but Cade would have done ridiculous things at gonzaga (laughs) right gonzaga would have have been winning the national championship right yeah like Corey Kispert would have hit 18 threes a game <laughs> if Cade Cunningham was passing the ball, right? Like Drew Timmy would have scored 30 plus a game off of just perfect entry passes.
1: Yeah. And not
0: that Jalen this isn't a good passer. He is. It's just like Cade is a different level of passer. Mm. You know? Mm. So um, we're gonna move on to the next grouping of guys. So don't take forever. Um, so this is kind of my lottery teens-ish area here. Um I will go again with three guys here. Um Moses Moody out of Arkansas, James Booknight out of Yukon, and then the one of the risers for a lot of people in this draft, um, is Josh Giddy out of Australia. So mm-hmm. um start with the the more local guys. So Moses Moody, high school teammate of Caden Cunningham. Um it's insane. It's ridiculous. Moses Moody, a 6'6 wing out of Arkansas. Um, seven foot wingspan, 210 pound frame. Looks like a grown man ready to play in the NBA. Um, uh, shot the ball well this year at Arkansas. Um, 16.8 points a game, 5.8 rebounds, 1.6 assists, 43% from the field, 36 from the three, 81 from the line. Um, Defends, shoots. I mean, he's getting the three and D label. I think it's partially because he didn't do a ton of passing at Arkansas, Mm -hmm. to be honest. Like he he made the right passes, but he wasn't like the distributor. And Arkansas didn't need him to be that either. Like that was not his role at all. They had like three other dudes for that who were getting legitimate playing time. So I think he can pass. Like I think he knows the game. It's just how much are you forcing it upon him? Mm. I think if you bring him in early to be like a complimentary player and let him grow into it, I think he could do a lot more on-ball creation-wise. But I still think you could put him in the NBA game tomorrow. Like, he's a dude who, you know, Phoenix was going through all their wing-forward type guys. Yeah. Lockie was trying to get guys like they're playing Pat Connaughton at a ton. It feels like Moses Moody could have stepped out there for like 10 minutes for either Mm. team. You know? Like don't ask him to do too much early on, but he could have filled those roles from day one. So I'm I'm really into Moses Moody. He's I think most people have had him more in the twelve to eighteen range. He's slowly started to creep up to like the ten to fourteen. And now like this last week, I'm hearing he's creeping in that eight to twelve range hmm so i've had him top 10 all year i've had him more so top eight all year so he may not actually end up going top eight but i think there's enough people out there who have gone back and watched arkansas that are like getting on the train i think the l- little concern though is that like with arkansas they play so fast you worry about the stats being a little overinflated kind of like texas tech quarterbacks you know like yeah what do you do with those guys because they throw for five thousand yards you actually know if they're good or not. I think it's a somewhat similar thing to Moses Moody. But I also think his head coach is like a very good head coach, Eric Musselman. So like, I don't know, are we going to knock Gonzaga players because they played fast and very well all year? Like, or are we just going to give Mark Few credit, you know? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, James Booknight out of UConn, six four, six five. Um I mean, he's a little thin, but he's a scorer. He's a. I'm getting to the elbow and I'm pulling up, and mm. there's nothing you can do about it. Um, did deal with some injuries this past year at UConn. Um, a very terrible UConn team, to be honest. Though that team was trash. Um, <laughs> there's I don't know if anyone on that current roster that's ever going to sniff the NBA. Um, averaged 18.7 points a game, 5.7 rebounds, 1.8 assists. Again, feels like. He's not a great passer, but, like, Mm. those should have been, like, at least around, like, three or four if he had a teammate that could do anything. Um, The shooting percentages, the three-pointer is going to worry you. It's 45, 30 – or 45 from the field, 29 from three, 78 from the line. It went down as the year went on as they got deeper into conference play, but he also didn't try and come back from an injury because he's Mm. like, I'm trying to will my team to more wins. Yeah. Uh, they were 15-5 and five with him playing, and they really were not a good team. So, like, I'm – and I know some of those were against, you know, those non-conference teams that aren't great. But still, he made that team relevant. That was, at best, a 500-basketball team without him, and he was making them look like a, one of the best teams in their conference. So, I think James, James Knight's good – He's – it's like you can't watch the NBA finals what we just watched and not think there's a place in the league for James Knight especially mm-hmm. if you think – because this shot looks fine. There's nothing wrong with the three-point shot. It just didn't go in as much as you wanted. But he also had to do absolutely everything on offense for that team. There's no sure. one else who could dribble. Sure. On that team. So <clears throat> I, I think he's still a top eight talent, and some people have him around – that some people have him closer to like 10 to 14 but there's mm-hmm. enough people that agree-ish with me on that on um, where he should land and then josh giddy is a six, eight again kind of this point forward-ish guy um out of australia he's thinner around like 195 i would say um, so he's not quite as big as cade but he's got this he's got way too much salad for the bowl he's got, <laughs> got, a, got a lot of a lot of hair going on here um <laughs> look him up josh giddy um but he's this wonderful passer though i mean he he's probably as good of a passer as kate is to be honest like he whips the ball around um Mm. so and it's off pick and i mean he ran tons of pick and roll and he knows how to perfectly hit bigs. he knows how to spray it out around the perimeter um Another similar concern with Book night though, of like this percentage isn't awesome from three. And again, same thing, actually, ended up shooting 29% from three. It was a little higher during the season, but like it goes around 32 and it tailed off right at the end. I think he can shoot. I don't think it's quite as nice looking as Book Knight's or Moody's, but I think he can shoot. Um, but he's got the passing that neither of those guys have. So. There's that. And defensively, he tries. I mean, I don't think he's a good defender, but he tries. So if you think you can put a little more weight on him, and he really has been playing a lot of high-level basketball. He obviously pl- um, played in the NBL in Australia. Oh, so. gotcha. Um, but, like, three years ago, he was, like, struggling to make, like, the highest in, like, 16-year-old um, teams and up, like, in Australia, and then he gets, you know, he gets taller. The he really puts in the time in the gym on the skill development. Now he played last year in NBL, was good, like he didn't look out of place. Mm-hmm. Um, and the NBL, as we learned with watching Lamelo, very physical league. Yeah. And for a 18 year old skinny kid, like he handled it well. So, I'm. I, I dig all three of these guys for kind of different reasons, mm. but I think if you all let them be complimentary players early on, they can turn into a lot more by the end, by like their fourth-ish, third-ish year. So uh, first of all, Josh Giddy has a main, and you're just jealous <laughs> of it. Uh, second you, of all. He's <laughs> got a lot of flow going on. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. It, it would rival Mike Gundy's um, if you know that <laughs> reference. Um, so, well, like, like pushed you, back, it's it's like yeah, weird how far. it gets like yeah, when like back. when he's running, it just gets pushed back. It's, it's weird. He needs to figure out a different situation for that. Um, but you mentioned that they're all kind of in that all of these tier of guys are kind of in that late lottery somewhere, but ranging from eight to fourteen. What I mean, what's your why? Why are these, you know, why are these guys there? Why do you put these guys there? Yeah, yeah. I think part of and this has to matter. So, like with Giddy, part of it's the body slash not a lot of high level experience mm-hmm. for Book Night. So he is, he played two years at UConn. He's not a freshman. Um, mm-hmm. He did play two years there. I. I think he got better at everything he was already good at
1: Mm.
0: from his first year, but he didn't like do a lot of other things different. For example, like the passing. And again, maybe it's just he played on a bad team. But I think it does have to matter to a bit. And also for a second-year player, you would have liked that three-point percentage to be higher. Again, maybe a product though of like... Okay, Ryan. So, question here. Yes. I don't remember the exact answer, but I know generally what the answer is. How many open jump shots this year do you think James Knight took? So, like, you know, someone kicks you out to so you, you take an open shot. How how many? Okay, over under 30. He played 20 games this year. Over under 30. Open shots? How many open shots did he take this year? Good God, it's college basketball. I got to take the over on that, right? It's under. 20. Here's the line. 20. Over That's under like- 20 over under 20 that's one a game yeah i'm taking the over on that it's it's wrong again over <laughs> under 10 i'm just going under now yeah it was like 5 or 7 like seriously, <laughs> like i can't remember but it's like it's literally like that like he got no open shots this year you can't tell me that that yukon <laughs> team couldn't manufacture <laughs> one open shot for their best player <laughs> are you kidding me i i'm not I wish I was. <laughs> this is <laughs> why like, I don't watch college basketball. This is the epitome of it, right here. But so, like, that's the thing with James book night is like, I think he's a much better shooter than even what he got to show, and he's mm. and he got everything was with a hand in his face all year. So, like, if you think he can be a really good role player and then develop like those same skills at adding, adding more elite level, mm. then like he's definitely worth it. I have him personally at number six on my board. So like I think he's gonna be very very good like Devin Bookerish like that's oh, like the exact gotcha runtime. okay I think he's a little better athlete than Booker sure but it's that same like he's not really a three point shooter but he can make threes Dude. but it's more about I'm getting to my spot and I'm pulling up and I guess the great thing for James Booknight is he's used to it because the thing with James Booknight is he could get by somebody the problem is there's just someone else waiting for him because they don't they don't have to. <laughs> Guard Guard whoever whoever (laughs) they were supposed to be. (laughs) That's why he doesn't get a lot of open shots. He's just getting double teamed all day. Um, And then with Moody, it's similar with Book Knight of like, I wish he did a little more creation-wise. At the very least, with all these guys, I think they're going to be incredible role players, like Mm. starting role players. But they all have super legitimate potential to be, I mean... A legit star which would mean making at least a couple all-star games mm-hmm. whereas there are other guys and again we're just talking about guards wings like i have jonathan Kaminga as a forward so like it's not like i'm forgetting Kaminga, for example he's just a different category of player but those are really the guys that i have as the like they're going i just know no matter what they're going to be very very good players with potential to be like a number two on a very good playoff team Mm. you know i i track with you yeah that makes sense so the next group um well so one, i'm skipping a couple of guys in this like davion mitchell out of baylor Mm -hmm. i'm just skipping him because i feel like we all know the davion mitchell thing yeah Um, chris duarte is a wing shooter out of Oregon. Um, Corey Kisperts, you know, the wing shooter out of Gonzaga. All those guys are older, like seniors. They are what they are at this point. I don't feel the need to talk on them. I think we all know them for the most part. Um, But all very good basketball players. They're going to get drafted in the top 20. I just don't feel any need to talk on them. Mm -hmm. So like these, this next group of guys is guards, wings who can i i think i have them all a bit higher than consensus because i see like very real skill in them so um i wrote them down in the order that i had them on my board the first one i don't know if i don't know i'm hearing him a bit more where i have him but not much so miles mcbride from west virginia um bones highland his name is Highland, but he goes by Bones. So that's incredible. Out of that's DCU. amazing. Yeah. And then Joe Wieskamp out of Iowa, the whitest mm. in the draft. Um, it's amazing. So Miles McBride um, also goes by Deuce McBride, wears number two. Um, okay, so that's great. Also, okay. I have a number thirteen. Okay. This he's for most people he's been between like twenty five and forty. All year and I've always had him fringing on that 20 to 25 and then as the season went on I was just like why are you not 18 and then (laughs) 16 and then I kind of ended up with him at 13 and I'm hearing a little more that he's actually has a legit chance to sneak inside the top 20 now Mm. I'm feeling a little validated if he actually does he might not again who knows how the draft actually ever plays out but Obviously, he's the lead guard at West Virginia, so he picks up 94 feet from the basket. Um, <laughs> the difference between like him and like Javon Carter, like we watched yeah. Javon Carter and um, do that for like, like 30 years. years. Um, yeah. so the difference is though Javon Carter is like barely six foot, like mm. 185 pounds. Like Miles McBride is 62 with a 69 wingspan and uh, like he's probably weighing in close to like 190 195. So he's already a much better built player. Um, He can shoot. I don't love, love, love his form, but it's like, it's fine. Yeah. Um, It's going to take like some minor tweaks, like it's fine. Um, I, again, this is similar to the UConn thing. I think West Virginia was not a very great basketball team. Mm. They were playing two centers until one of them's like, I'm transferring like, They were playing two traditional no shot outside of six feet centers. And so it was a pretty big disaster. They have a wing named Taz Sherman at West Virginia that, like, I don't think is that great, but like was averaging almost 20 points a game just because they needed desperately someone else to shoot the ball. Like it was a really bad team, in my opinion, but Miles McBride made them like literally a top 25 national team. So I've seen him catch and shoot from three. I've seen him do it off the dribble. Uh, He even convinced Bob Huggins to run some pick and roll. So, you know? (laughs) And then defensively, I mean, he's one of – I mean, it's like him and Davion Mitchell were, like, the only two guys, I swear, all year that made Cade Cunningham work for a basket. Mm -hmm. That's what I like about McBride is he doesn't care who he's guarding. And, again, not just to keep throwing out guys who we just saw in the finals or, like, the playoffs, but, like – I don't know if he's going to be Drew Holiday, but you but can be Drew that, Holiday. So, and yeah. like, Miles McBride would have no fear picking up Chris Paul at 94 feet from the basket. Mm. You know? Yeah. But he he shot 43% from the field. He shot 41% from three and 81% from the line, like on legitimate attempts. So, averaged 16, four, and five, four rebounds, five assists. Like, he was good. I think that's something I just go over. Like, he's just a really good basketball player. Yeah. Plays offense, plays defense, hits. Like he was willing to play off ball, even though they really didn't have anyone else who could play on the ball. <laughs> and he would hit kick out threes. Yeah. So like, I I think he can be a good role player who can do a bit more. Um, mm-hmm. Bowens Thailand is a 6'3", 100 and maybe 80 pounds, but God, he can score. <laughs> God, he can score. I mean, Bones, I mean, he's taken ankles. He's mm. taken ankles. And I uh, know VCU, but they played teams this year and it didn't matter who guarded him. There was literally, mm. you couldn't put a small guy, a big guy, no one in two years at VCU could guard him. Uh, <laughs> super disappointed they didn't get to play in this tournament. They were the team that had to, because of COVID, some players got it. Uh, and so they uh. had to forfeit. Oh, that's right. You could have, you could have told me Bones Highland was the breakout guy at the tournament mm. if they would have got to play. So I I think I had them winning a couple games. So, you know, I I think he's a baller. He's he's just a hooper. <laughs> and I, on my board, I have him somewhere around, shoot, what, like early 20s? Yeah. I just think, like, there just comes a point in the draft where we're just like, I need a backup point guard mm. and maybe someone that can be a spot starter, sure, and I mean, if Lou Williams had a successor, it's Bones Island. Mm. Like, you know, he's gonna play ten years the NBA as just a baller so bucket getter, maybe, this is not my type of guy, like the slightly undersized skinny shooter, but dang, he's got moves he doesn't <laughs> catch and shoot he's got moves, so. I he's a good athlete he's not a great athlete he was a good athlete yeah and like he 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 was willing to try on defense okay he's willing to try on defense so like he's not gonna get just like manhandled yeah so you know what like I wasn't crazy about him to start the year but he he I warmed up to him put it Mm -hmm. that way and Mm -hmm. Joe Wieskamp um, one of the big winners of the NBA combine. I'm not a big NBA combine guy. Yeah. Um, just cause I relatively already know what you are going into the combine, you know, sure. unless like you drastically like reshaped your body
1: in the offseason.
0: Hmm. season. camp though. So we measure it at six seven, six eleven wingspan. wingspan. Um, yeah. I honestly like, you know, I try not to get too caught up in wingspan sometimes. If you would have measured six nine, would been like yeah, like six eleven as the just this big white guy shooter, and he's not like, – I mean, he looks thin, but he's I want to say he's weighing in around two hundred 210. so it's not like he's frail. Um, I mean, this dude looks like he played in at Iowa. Like he's, for real, he's from Iowa. Like he was born and raised in Iowa. Like if Um, you never told me he played at Iowa, I would guess he played at Iowa. (laughs) It's perfect, like the sh, like basically shaved head and everything. Like yes, the yeah, perfect. Um, average, fifteen points a game, six and a half rebounds, one and a half um, assist, shot forty six percent from three this year, um, if I if I remember right. So big time shooter, did it off of motion, did it catch and shoot he played off of luca garza a lot there mm. which i mean made sense like they were going to give it to garza 50 times a game so is sometimes get out of the way i liked Louise camps just like okay i know how to relocate i know how to screen that was like a very underrated thing is because it's iowa not a lot of great height and athleticism there ryan um sometimes he had to play the four he's not a four at the nba by any means sure but he, like, be willing to, like, set screens and, like, go get guys open and then, get, like, find, like, the openings. He would play, like, in the dunker spot sometimes when Luca Garza's, like, I'm taking threes. And Iowa's, like, well, we refuse to not have a big man, so Joe camp. I guess you're the big. <laughs> um, Iowa was another one that was just hilarious to watch. I don't recommend it, watching it, but it was something. It was a sight to see at times. Um, but I really like camp. I think, I mean, it's the Duncan Robinson, Joe Harris thing. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. But you know, like, it's a, again, at some point, that guy's worth it. I have him again around twenty-ish, same mm-hmm. same-ish area as Bones Highland. Um, I he's a specialist, but sure. he crashes for rebounds. He's actually a at the college level, he was above average defender. So okay. at NBA level, maybe he's just average. Yeah, but he if tries. Get, if you can get a shooter like a legit forty plus percent three point shooter who's averageish mm. defender, that's good. It's good yeah. number twenty. Yeah, in there. So, um, I I just think they all have all three of those guys have a skill. Bones mm. Highlands a bucket getter. Joey's Camp is an elite shooter, and Miles McBride is an elite defender. So. I get why other people might have them like 10 spots lower than me, but at some level, like you just got to have dudes who like have like a thing. Yeah. A specific role. Well, and they can build off of it in the league, you know? Mm. And that's just like their game. So you mentioned you kind of have these guys slots higher than most other people. Like what, what makes you, what makes them stand out? You kind of said, that they have their own thing, but anything other than that, that these guys bring to the table? So, the one other thing would be, and I don't, I try not to put too, too much stock in this, but, like, they're not going to be on a bad basketball team. Like, all mm. three of those guys, like, I know in Iowa's situation, like, Garza gets a lot more credit there, Luca Garza, but, like, all three of them really will their teams to, like, we're not losing Mm -hmm. so on top of like the skill set i think that's just something like miles McBride very well could have just been like i'll just take my shots i'll pick up at half court you know whatever like i'll play good defense when it's my turn to play defense but like if any of those guys had a bad night their team was not probably going to win just being honest like that's just how it went all three of them but if they all were like i'm driving the train their team was going to be good so like how much does it mean the nba level i don't know but it means you're going to be in the nba though for a while and you're going to be like you're going to stick somehow yeah that's a great point especially when like like you get to nba and you have a role right you're a role player you kind of have to have that mentality of like okay in these next two minutes i'm not going to get wrecked by james harden or whoever you're on the floor with at that point well like you know we just thought with like bobby portis Yeah, like he probably thinks he should be a starter in the league, you know, but he was like, you know what? I've bounced around. I'm just going to give him hell while I'm out here for the next four minutes, six minutes. And you're going to be hype and I'm going to do my thing. And it's as long as it fits what the team needs and they have a reasonable expectation, like it's good. Now, I hope these three guys like they might have a better career than Bobby Portis is like just at the level he's at. Mm -hmm. but if he doesn't i mean if you knew what bobby portis was going to give you would you take him at number 20 in a draft yeah i mean he he played on a championship team like he helped win win a championship you do that 10 times out of 10 at 20 yeah legitimately helped so um two more groups here to talk about so freshmen Mm. there have been a few freshmen sprinkled in um here with cade i guess we'll count jalen green Jalen Suggs, Moses Moody, Josh Giddy was international. Um, but there's there's a lot of freshmen in this draft. And that's part of why people like this draft is there's a lot of potential. There's a lot of upside in this draft. Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes that's a bad thing. Um, so freshmen. So there's Tennessee kids. So Keon Johnson, who broke the combine record for the vert um, mm. of 48 inches a two guard out of Tennessee, and then the point guard for Tennessee his name is named is Jaden Springer. Um, I I don't know, I don't know <laughs> with both of them. Uh, I'm gonna be honest, I'm a lot lower on them than most people. I have them mid late twenties. Okay. Keon Johnson, for some people, was as high as like eight or ten. Oh my gosh. I just, I can't get on the train. He has Mm -mm. no jump shot at all. Oh gosh. The, like, and the difference between like him and like Scotty Barnes. So, Scotty Barnes, we'll talk more about next time. Scotty Barnes, though, is like 6'9, 6'10, the 7'2 wingspan, great body, great passer, great defender, great rebounder, great in transition, just doesn't have a jump shot in the half court. Keon Johnson's 6'3, like 185 pounds. 190 pounds this is not like I said with Bones Highland that's not the type of body I love for a big draft prospect it's just not but dang it he can jump (laughs) (laughs) I mean he really tries on defense you could tell me by his fifth year he got like some third team all defense votes in the league Mm Keon Johnson does because he tries really hard and if you think he'll get better cool that he has no jump shot at all.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like even games where he scores 20 plus in college, I swear like his only field goals are in the post. Like trying to post up like a point guard that he got switched on him. Or like dunks. I he has no offensive skill set to mine like that I seen in a game. You know? At least not at the college level. And to be honest, I, I don't put a ton of stock in like what did you do in high school? Sure. Because like you're playing kids that look like me. like <laughs> You know, you right? got a, a offensive lineman running around at center. Yeah. And he has no like, business playing center. You're putting that dude in the pig and roll. Like, yeah. So with Keon Johnson, I he doesn't pass. He mm-hmm. doesn't shoot. You're playing four on five on offense with him. And it's it's a coin flip if he ever develops anything on offense. Mm. So if you're willing to just bet on the hard work, athleticism, he cares about defense, I get it, I do. I I can't get there, I just yeah. can't. Um, it's not my th- someone else can draft him, and if they're <laughs> right, cool. But I, I if I was a GM, I could not draft that dude, right? Um, and then Jaden Springer, his backcourt teammate allegedly dealt with an ankle issue all year like i know he had an ankle issue i don't know that was all year but you know if that's what they're saying i'll believe it apparently he's looking way bouncier like in his pro days and stuff like that I, you're playing one on zero. you know yeah against the chair you always look yeah. better and like the he's a good athlete yeah and he's he's more like 6'3, six, 6'4, six, a little more filled out. Not as a much of a high flyer as his teammate, but like he can dunk. The problem that I think with Keon Johnson athletically though, or not Keon, Jaden Springer, he like can't dunk off of one foot. Like he has to dunk off of two feet. I I literally don't think I've ever seen him even in the pro day workouts and stuff. I don't think he ever dunked off of one foot. Like he doesn't do it. He, like, he needs both feet to load up and get under him. So, like, at the NBA level, how many times does a guy dunk off of two feet? Where, like, you're running into it, and then you've got to plant both feet and jump. I don't, I mean, like, outside of a center standing wide open under the bucket for, like, a dunk? Right, but, like, yeah, like, what guard explodes to the basket and then has to to jump off of two feet? I can't it, think of the last time I've seen that. And, like that was a legitimate criticism of Donovan Mitchell's yeah. like when he came out of Louisville of like, he did the same thing, mm. but like once you watched him in a gym, you're like, Oh no, you're just not doing it again. Just cause I don't know yeah. why, but you just cause I actually don't know that Jane Springer can like legitimately dunk a basketball off of one foot, like at the NBA level. Like, cause you can't, it's, it's not a finger roll off of one foot. It's a dunk and I don't know if you can do it. He's actually a better shooter than Keon Johnson is, his teammate. Mm. But I don't think he's like a lights-out shooter. So there's appeal. I get it. If you think he can be an actual point guard, which I don't know if he's an actual point guard either. I think he's kind of this weird combo. I don't know. If someone else can take a shot on him. It just <laughs> wouldn't be me. You know? Right. right. There's just certain kids like that you're like, if he works out in the league, cool. I'll admit I was wrong, but I'm not taking him in the lottery. Mm. And some teams are some team or someone's going to take him at like 17 or something. Sure. Uh, sure. I just wouldn't. Um, Sharif Cooper out of Auburn high school teammate of Isaac Okoro mm. um, also played at Auburn. Um, apparently it's grown some like legitimately. I, I did not think he was six foot during the season. Apparently, he's measuring in now at like 6'1. So that's good. Um, Because I don't know many 5'11 point guards in the NBA. Elite passer. I mean, again, he's up there with like Josh Giddy, Kate Cunningham. Maybe Mm. not quite as good as them, but like he's an elite passer. Um, He can't shoot though. (laughs) Like he even, so like it's weird with him. So if he's dribbling, he can shoot a little bit. If you ask him to catch and shoot, he can't shoot. He did his, like, you know, his pro day, like everyone does. Yeah. Literally did not do a catch and shoot shot the entire time. Like, he only takes them off the dribble. It's re- it's like. That's weird. It's very weird. He doesn't Like, do catch it- and shoot's easiest. It His form is just not consistent. Mm-hmm. He, like, always kicks his legs out and does, like, fades. I think it's always just because he's been a smaller guy. And so he's just had to do that to get it up over players. But, like, so, like, when he has to catch and shoot, like, he doesn't know what to do. Mm. It's very weird. It scares me a lot, to be honest. <laughs> just because it's, like, how are you 20 years old or 19 or however old he is? And you you can't catch and shoot. Right. You know? right. I don't know. So, and in the league, like, you can dribble all you want, but if you can't shoot, you're, like, it's not ending well. Yeah. You, like, you better hope your campaign for the Suns. Right. The campaign is faster and longer mm. than Sharif Cooper. Not as good of a passer, but I don't know. Does it really matter then at that point? Like, right. If you're a backup point guard that you just spray the ball around, I mean, like, it's kind of cool, but like, I, the jump shot has to come around. I think he's worth a late first round pick somewhere in the 20s. Again, though. For the people that are like, he's going to Indiana or something in the lottery. I, I can't get there at all. Mm. I If you can't shoot, and I really don't think you can shoot, I can't take you in the lottery in today's NBA. For sure. Um, For sure. Last two here. All these uh, guys coming out of the same conference. Cam Thomas from LSU, exact opposite of Sharif Cooper. 6'3", <laughs> big body guard. Will not pass unless you make him like he, he will never <laughs> ever pass you the ball <laughs> it's really crazy um but he will shoot it every single time mm. he touches it some people love that because it goes in quite a bit but man that's got to be annoying to play with <laughs> yeah right uh, i mean i mean he's he's a volume shooter mm. um but like i said made a lot um this year averaged 23 a game uh for LSU was led the um, country in scoring as well for freshmen led the country and scoring um, only shot 32 and a half percent from three, but it's because he did not care if he was guarded or not. He did not care how many seconds were on the shot clock. He, if he felt it, he was putting it up. Uh-huh. Mm. <laughs> so I think he's a better shooter than that. <laughs> he, he like shot 88% from the line. It's he, his form is good. Well, mm, the top of his form is good. He brings the he dips the ball weird around his hip. Like it goes a okay. little to the left. Yeah. Like, and then he brings it back up. It's gotten better. I, I saw him play in high school a couple of times, like in person. For because he played at Oak Hill. Uh incredible score. Mm. Like he knows how he gets to his spots. The shot looks better than it did two years ago. It's just <laughs> I wish he did more. <laughs> <laughs> he's not going to defend. He's not going to pass. He's not going to rebound. But dang it, he can score. Mm. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. You, he, I feel like he needs to go to a situation where, like, there's enough enough room for him to do his thing, but there's also enough structure to be like, hey, that ain't going to fly. Like, We got to rein it in out. here. And, yeah. So... Yeah, he he needs some actual coaching. Which, like Oak Hill has good coaches and everything, but like when you are one of the all-time leading scorers at Oak Hill, there's only so much a coach can tell you that you're going to listen to, right? You know. And then right. LSU is an absolute disaster. Like with that whole "do whatever you want" thing. <laughs> there, but not uh, awesome. Whole other thing there, on and off the court. Um, and then the last guy is Josh Primo. For Alabama, out of all these kids, had the least amount of opportunity because Alabama was loaded this year. was a two seed in the tournament. Mm. Didn't need him to do much. Josh Primo is a six six wing who f- flashed a lot of skill, but like just because Alabama had so many guards, he was like their fourth guard. So he just wasn't getting a ton of minutes. He wasn't getting to dribble much because. They had other guys who loved to dribble on that team. I think he can do a lot more than he showed. He's a big-time recruit who the flashes at Alabama look like a top-ten pick, but the fact that he only played like 15 minutes a game is a little worrisome. Mm-hmm. But mm. what do you do when you have a bunch of juniors and seniors handling the ball? And yeah. Like, are those guys in front of you. You know, Alabama was very good. If they weren't good, he would have played more. If we would have gone to a situa- different situation, even we've played more. Hmm. Again, all these kids are somewhere in the 20s for me. Like, pre- to me, on my pro- board, Primo's 21, Thomas is 23, Sharif Cooper's 25. And I said Springer and Johnson are the Tennessee kids are 26 and 27. They're all around the same spot for me. Yeah. It's going to just be a matter of preference here. They all have a lot of potential, but they all have some pretty significant flaws in their game that have to fix iron out. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I see with this group, you've gone the way of OU in Texas and have gone all SEC. <laughs> we're going to have to do a pod about that, even though we're a basketball pod. We're going to have to. Yeah, that that's, that that's a whole other discussion for another time. Um, if these guys hit, like, what's their high side? What's their ceiling here? So the Tennessee, like I said, so Keon Johnson, he might be an all NBA level defender one day. Maybe not first team, but like mm. he really could get there at some point and be like the, I don't know. That's the thing with him. I just don't think there are a lot of great pro comps for like guys like that. Like, cause like the Tony Allens of the world who we, mm. we loved. Tony Allen was bigger. Like, he was way more physical. Like First team. Yeah. What's what's a skinny, relatively skinny... I mean, maybe he gets up to, like, 200 pounds, 205 pounds. I don't know. How many guards, defensive-oriented athletic guards are there like that? That really matter. I can't think of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the point. There's not... Like, I don't know. Is he Pat Bev? Like... Is that like his high side, you know, if the shot, yeah. comes around? you know, but like, what's that's worth, you know, Pat Bev uh, got played out of some playoff games there. Yeah. Yeah. Useful, nice guy to have, but like there, there's a limit on him. Mm. Jayden Springer. If he, if he hits, he's like Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, uh, very smart, little bigger, not super athletic, but athletic enough point ish guy who doesn't really do any one thing great but is like a good teammate i like that's his like comp sharif cooper we kind of talked about smallish guard but man he can pass it it's it's kind of the same thing though how many smallish guards that can pass and not shoot at all are there i mean he shoots then it's a whole nother conversation Mm. um I mean, like, Rondo's the one that kind of comes to mind, but he's bigger and has wingspan. Yeah, and plays defense. Sharif Cooper does not care about defense. But, like, that's the thing is, like, is it, you know, Rondo, is his peak, like, young Trey Young? Mm. You know, like, something yeah. like that. Something in that genre of player uh, is Sharif Cooper, which is a good player, but you have to develop into that significantly like cam thomas shoot I don't, I don't know like everyone needs scoring honestly i've like had to be convinced on him mm-hmm. i had him i had him like 30 35 two weeks ago i went back and watched a lot of lsu tape he just gets to where he wants to go and rises up, which is important skill nowadays, you know, and makes a lot of shots, but I just, Kendrick Nunn, Kendrick Nunn here. Yeah. A very good Kendrick Nunn. Sure. Like you think Kendrick Nunn can keep getting better? Um, Josh Primo. Hey, pick a name out of a hat, a six, six wing that can maybe that can shoot and maybe do some things and play defense sounds great yeah but someone who just didn't do it a ton because they haven't had a ton of opportunity i don't know it he could he could be an all-star mm-hmm. if, he
1: hits.
0: if he hits he could be an all-star like because okay another thing about josh primo is he's 18 he will not turn 19 until december he played his freshman year at alabama the age of a high school senior so, because most freshmen turn nineteen, like their freshman year, yeah. he will not turn nineteen till this coming December. That's crazy. So, he it, yeah. that's he's he super was, young. He was seventeen when he arrived at Alabama. Good lord. Whereas, like some of these guys, and like not as a super knock, like Cade Cunningham is almost twenty years old. Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley, all these guys are almost twenty years old. Mm. Yeah, Josh Primo is just about to turn nineteen. It's crazy. So if you think there's a whole lot there, like uh, you got to take a shot on Josh Primo, right? Like Um, he sounds the guy out of this group that, I mean, I would take a swing at he's who I've highest. Like I said, at 21, you could tell me he goes four, five, six spots higher than that. You could tell me he falls a couple spots. I don't know. There's a lot of like, New York, Houston, LA, like the Lakers who are all in that like 21, 22, 23 range Sure. Um, of working him out, like, or bringing him in for a second workout. So maybe I am kind of spot on with his range, but you could tell me Memphis at 17 is just like, we don't need a guy right now. We're just going to take the best young, high side, high ceiling prospect. He could go like 17. Hmm. I like him a lot probably because he has less flaws in his game than anyone else. But again, he needs to do something great. So that's the last big thing for him. Um, and there's just a handful of interesting guys worth mentioning right quick. Um, Cause I know we've been going for a bit. Quentin Grimes out of Houston, former KU Jayhawk. Um, transferred down to Houston. He was a big five-star recruit. Did not work out at Kansas. Went down to Houston, redeemed himself, mm. um, developed a lot. Um, Josh Christopher, another five-star freshman stud, went to Arizona State. Um, absolute dumpster fire of a of a team. Um, throwing an international guy. We haven't really got a lot of international guys outside of Josh Giddy here. So Ryan, do you want to do you want to take a stab at uh, the guy from Lithuania here? So I'm gonna say this is gonna be terrible. By the way, uh, Rokas, yeah, Jakubitis. Y- Yaka- you are close, Jakubitis. Jakubitis, yeah. It, there, it's more phonetic this year. I should have, I should have figured that out phonetically. This year had a lot of um, stateside players in, the, uh... in this grouping. The the forward group has a couple of guys, but honestly, not all that many. Um so we'll talk on uh Dracobitis here in a minute. And then um a couple other freshmen, BJ Boston from Kentucky, who kind of flopped. Same thing with Zaire Williams out of Stanford, mm-hmm. kind of flopped. And then the one name that's been getting all the draft buzz is Jason Preston out of Ohio. Um so real quick, going back to Grimes, he's kind of like this big-bodied wing. Um, point wing out of Houston like I said went to KU disaster Mm -hmm. could not shoot right shot 40 percent from three at Houston this past year on legitimate attempts went to the combine played there and was probably the best player out there who played like and I mean you know K doesn't play in that JN doesn't play in that all those guys don't play in that but like whoever most people have around like number 15 on their board and on most of those guys play Quentin Grimes is the best player out there. Hmm. Like defending, shooting, passing, like the all around game was very good. Um, if you think he can shoot like what he did at Houston and at the combine holds up, then even I'm too low on him at 29. Hmm. Cause he is, I want to say he just finished like his junior year. I think at Houston, but I like him. I think he's a good, not great defender. I think he's a good, not great athlete. I think he's a good, not great passer, but he just feels like a guy, like you're an NBA player. Somewhere you're an NBA player. Um, it may be a role player. It may be an occasional starter, but like at the peak of your career, but you're an NBA player. Mm. Um, Josh Christopher has athleticism in the world. And just, just need some direction on how to use it. Um, like I mentioned, Arizona state was a disaster, had no point guard, even though they had two six foot guards on their team. What? They had the, yeah. Um, they had Marvin Bagley's younger brother, Marcus Bagley on the team. Um, only played like 12 games because of injuries, of course. Um, but he's actually like this wing forward shooter was kind of interesting, pulled out of the draft late. Um, but so Josh Christopher took a ton of bad shots, to be honest, because Arizona state basically just rolled the ball out and said, go, um, he needs structure, but dang it. You can see there's a lot of shot making there. There's a lot of athleticism there. It didn't go in as much as like Cam Thomas's shot went in. Mm-hmm. like it looks okay the kid tries i'll give the kid credit he tries his tail end off but he just needs some direction i'm afraid if he goes to like one of those situations that lets him shoot 20 times a game it's not gonna go well mm-hmm. and he's gonna be out of the league by the end of his rookie deal but give him somewhere that like can just mold him and groom him and like teach him how to play basketball the right way kid can really stick and be like a good player. Um, but, man, he just needs some coaching. So, Jakubitis, um, you remember when LaMelo went overseas? You remember that whole – Yes. A bit? Yes. That's who we played in this first game was um, Rokas. Mm. Um, Rokas dropped like 30 on him. Yeah, he did. <laughs> just, <laughs> just gave him a taste. Um, yeah, he, he did. Basketball. So I'm a fan of Rokas now. <laughs> um, I, I have him late first, early second um, round pick, especially if there's like a late first team that like wants to stash a guy for like a year or two. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a lefty. Again, he's a hooper, but he can shoot. Um, I liked he'll, he can really run the pick and roll. He can really do it. But he also, just because of the team he was on, um, they made him spot up a lot. Like in the corner, he's a capable shooter, like catch and shoot guy. So at the NBA level, that makes me think okay, as much as he's a lefty pick and roll point guard, if you need him to play off ball, he can catch and shoot some from three. He just, it just the way international basketball is, especially like at higher levels, he's not playing a ton of minutes. Right. He's getting limited opportunities. But, like, when he was out there, he was good. Like, it's one of those – a lot of international teams do this. They don't play their guys a ton because they're not trying to get him drafted. <laughs> they don't want to like, send him to the NBA. It happens. It's a legitimate thing. Yeah. Some guys, it's just you can't help it, though. That's what happened to Giannis, um, right? Yeah. He got staffed. In, in Poku like was the, the same thing. In the, like, second Greek league or whatever yeah. it was. Literally, they tried to do the same with Poku last year. Um and it's just like that sorry man now like if you're playing like turkey which is a very good league you know that guy's just playing yeah spain though they're trying to hide it mm. greece they're trying to hide it lithuania they try and hide it like they do so it's amazing yeah and i don't blame them because if you think you can hide them for a year or two get and then by the keep, draft yeah basically get through the draft and then keep them for the next 10 you know I get it's it. not bad strategy, um, but I think he's very talented. I think Joe Cabotis can play. Um, at like, maybe you do need to sash him for a year or two. Maybe not. Mm. I, you know, but I think he's a pretty worthwhile gamble. Late first, early second. Um, so the last three guys: Jason Preston from Ohio, and then the couple of freshmen I mentioned. Not super high on Jason Preston. There's people talking about him going like. In the 20s, he kind of burst onto the scene this past half, back half of the season in college basketball at Ohio into the tournament. He he literally looks like how Lamella Ball used to in high school, like the big hair and everything. Okay. Yeah, um, he's this tall, lengthy, six four, light skin point guard. He can really pass. He can't. He does really see the floor, but the shot. Looks ugliest. I'll get out. But, like, LaMelo, like, the difference, like, you know, they very do look similar, literally, and, like, stylistically on the court. LaMelo's jump shot, like, I watched it get better over the last three years. I was still very worried about it, but I watched it get better. Jason Preston's, like, this is better, and he's already, I think, like, 21. So, I I have him as just – a mid-second-round pick. Some people have him late first. I I just think there's other guys. If you're going to take an older point guard, just take someone else. Jason Preston has a super cool story um, of, like, he wasn't getting recruited at all. He was just going to go to college to be a normal dude. Ended up at Ohio. It's a great story. It's cool. I just... I can't get over the shooting. It looks terrible. So... Yeah, I was just wow. Googling a picture of him to see his hair. Um, and so far, of the people I've seen, uh, he is number two behind uh, our Josh boyfriend, Giddy. Josh Getty from Australia. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And also, I saw a picture of what looks like he's shot putting the ball from his chest, like Sean Marion. Yeah. And then, like, the elbow flares, and then somehow the wrist goes out. Yeah. It's it's not pretty. There's He couldn't even really get to it off the dribble, for a jump shot in college, let alone the NBA. I, it's a nice story. Maybe you draft him in the second round to send him to your G League for a couple of years, and maybe we see him again at age 23, 24. Cool. That, I'm not taking that dude at 28, though. Mm. I'd take him at 48, to be honest. Mm. Just, you know, I the, I the hype's got a little overblown. Um, And the freshman So BJ Boston at Kentucky Was like a consensus top five Guy coming into the year And just Couldn't throw a ball in the ocean If he was standing on the beach Like He's skinny He couldn't get to his spot He doesn't pass He kind of tries on defense He's long But Yeah he couldn't shoot and it was, one well, those he was actually a really skilled shot maker in high school. But again, it's high school. Like, at what point do you be like, these aren't dudes. Like, you're going to be playing anymore. So, like, at Kentucky, and Kentucky was not good this year. Kentucky needed someone. He shot 35.5% from the field, 30% from three. It's not like his shot looks terrible, but you guard him with – any level of physicality or closeness and he wasn't getting by you and he wasn't making it over you. So <sighs> if you think all the hype behind him, there was a valid reason for it. And you can send him to the G league again, like for a year, maybe he comes out and it's like, like okay, no, here's the dude. But as much as I wished he would have been like Brandon Ingram, he's not. He's just not. He's and seems like a nice kid,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but it just didn't work at Kentucky. And not that Kentucky has been a great, honestly, like skill struggle the place. Struggle. Yeah, yeah. Every time it feels like we get a kid from Kentucky, it's like, well, we didn't really see him do much at Kentucky, and then he does better in the league. Maybe this is one of those situations. I have him. I would honestly, I would take a gamble on him in like the top. First 10 picks of the second round. Okay. But, you know, like if you're Oklahoma City and you're like, okay, we got our fourth pick of the day. And they why pick it. Yeah. Like, why not? You pick it like 36 or 34, both. Actually, you have both. Um, <laughs> I don't know. If he's still on the board, sure, take him. Whatever. Let's see if he pans out. But I, there's a pretty strong chance he doesn't pan out. Yeah, he just just doesn't, and it happens to some kids. You just get to a higher level, and you just get exposed. Right, Zaire Williams was the same thing. Zaire Williams was at Stanford. Apparently, it's grown some more. Um, apparently, he measured in like six nine and a half. He was like six eight. So, kids growing. He, I have him like in that same range as Boston. I. Stanford had the worst like situation. Like they basically played every game on the road because Stanford like said, you can't play home games. We're not doing sporting events this year. And like, okay, what if we lived at a hotel and like the next city over they said, okay. So that's what they did. So I feel bad for the kid. It's not what he signed up for. It right. was dealing with some injuries, but it was a lot of the same concerns as BJ Boston at Kentucky couldn't really get to a spot. Couldn't. I mean, he, I told you how tall he was. He's like 185 pounds, maybe. So like he is skinny, and literally everybody. It didn't matter if he were six foot guard. You could you could knock him off a spot. So, this he, is Dwayne Wade's son too, right? Uh, no, that's a different Zaire. Uh, uh... That's a, um. So, yeah, Zaire Williams, he's talented. Mm. Like, I've seen a lot, like, in the high school tape. But, again, maybe you get him to an NBA system and it looks better. Maybe he just shouldn't have gone to Stanford for, like, basketball reasons, not just, like, the COVID stuff. But, man, it was rough. It, there, there came a point, like, you just felt bad for the kid, like, watching him. Because, mm. like, you have no team around you you can't get anywhere. It it felt like he should have either gone back or gone back and transferred. But he was a top eight recruit. He was supposed to be a top 10 pick. It just didn't work out. That's like guys like that, like him in Boston. Like, what do you do if you're those kids? Because you were so hyped. And Hmm. if it doesn't work, or at least – If it would have worked mildly, I would have felt better about them. But it just, like, they both had, like, a game, and that was it. You know? Yeah, that's tough. A lot of these guys, late first, early second, they're, like, worth the gamble at that point. I don't know. To the people that still have, like, number 15, I, I could be wrong. I will give all the praise in the world if I'm wrong, but there's other guys that I just know are going to be better than him. Like, or their floor is significantly higher. And I just don't know if he's worth the risk at like 15 or 17 or 20. Mm. I guess it just depends on what you are looking for in the draft. And I'm like a big like potential guy. Like I'm not trying to draft draft. Corey Kispert at number six. Like I haven't right. met 19. Mm-hmm. Like on my board. Like I'm not trying to. Like I I have Davion Mitchell, who a lot of people love. Right? People love Davion Mitchell. I have him met 16. I have Chris Duarte at 15. Like I, I'll I'll put you high if you're young, but like, I have to see something. Right. Right. And uh, if you. And again, i don't know all these guys workouts maybe zion williams is shooting the cover off the basketball and workouts but i i hear about like people who've lost a lot of weight or guys that have put on like height but you know i maybe maybe you go to the memphis grizzlies workout and you mm-hmm. shoot 20 for 20 from corner from the corner for 3 and they're like all right taking you Yeah, it can happen, right? It happens every year. Sacramento picks that number what eleven this year. So, all right, have at it, Sacramento. Sacramento could just like he shot the ball well when he came to us. So, and I would believe Sacramento would take him. I don't think they should, but I could believe it. You know, what did Marvin Bagley do in his workout? You think (laughs) he must have been running like point against the chair, Ryan? Like. the chair always always <laughs> loses matt the chair has never won maybe except for against mo bamba that was the only like, person the chair won against <laughs> it's it's wild i like that's the thing like the one-on-one workouts for, like the pro days and whatever like you, that's like for making like split decisions. Like we were equally high on these two guys. And now we feel slightly better about player a, you know, right. Those workouts are not to be like, Oh my gosh, why weren't we you? Why weren't we looking at you in the, in the lottery? Mm. You, you deserve to be at 14. Oh, wait. Oh, all no. this film we have watched all year. Yeah. scrap it. You're our number two pick. <laughs> yeah. Like that's, that's the problem though. is like March madness happens. And we're like, all right, we got these, Three games plus the workout you did for us, and Mm -hmm. we're going to disregard your other thirty college games. And, you know, yeah, that's the thing. Maybe someone sees it though, and it's real. Maybe it's not. I'll. I just watch tape. That's all I want to do. I just want to watch tape and try and understand context. Yeah, I might be wrong sometimes, but guess what? So are a lot of NBA GMs. So, I'll take the risk. But. That's the the main breakdown of the guards and wings that I have. It was good. It was was a lot of fun. Uh, I'm excited to see, I mean, some of these guys in here actually on an NBA floor. Like, you kind of got me to come around on guys like Moses Moody. Like, I want the Thunder just to draft him at six or 16 or whatever. If he slipped to, like, I'm just throwing out number 13, 12, why not package 16 and 18 if you felt, like, great about him? You yeah, know? Like, right. That's our guy. Uh, you know, for OKC, for maybe even Orlando at 5 and 8. They're like, why do we need to bring in 16 more young guys? You know? Let's just bring in this guy who's who we know is going to be good. Yeah. The draft is hard. Draft is hard. Draft is hard for some people. Other people not so much some teams make it look really hard there are some teams who you'll hear on draft night this is their third year in a row to be picking in the top 10 those are the teams that have a hard time with the draft mm-hmm. that's why uh, the bulls traded out of the draft ryan so they wouldn't have to pick <laughs> seven again they would have picked eight this year of course of course always uh okay well we're gonna do like matt said another pod here for the final piece of draft, uh, and then it's on to draft, and then on to free agency, and all the all the fun news and woge bombs and all the things. Um, so that's coming up. We'll be back shortly with episode 118. Matt, do you have anything you want else you want to add before we sign out? We'll save the rest for next time. Come back for episode 118. We'll see you uh, then. Yeah.